You are now listening to the Q&E Podcast. Is this what you want? Huh? Is this what you want? Well, again, What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Q&E Podcast, and you're here with your boy Q Hicks right now. And I got Eggert on the other line. Eggert, tell the people what's good. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Q&E Podcast. We got some good stuff coming for y'all, man. The NFL season is getting closer <laughs> to an end as we had a wild, wild card weekend. Had a lot of um exciting games that we thought might have been blowouts and some disappointment as well with some teams that <laughs> y'all know we're going to talk about. And I'll get on my soapbox about a little later. Yes, sir. If this is your first time listening to the Q&E podcast, we do have five segments. We have our sports segment, Two Wild Wednesdays, Social Media Wants to Know, Entertainment and Current Events, and Pass the Ox. So definitely stick with us throughout this whole episode. We diving into it. It's going to be an NFL-heavy podcast. And if you are uh, big into the sports uh, betting world, definitely go to BovadaSportsBook.com. First, we're going to start off with a super wild card weekend recap. Got to talk about the big games that happened in the NFL this week. Obviously, one of the biggest games was that Jags versus Chargers game. So many implications came from that game. Obviously, the Chargers were the heavy favorite going into it, even though they were on the road. Being up 27-0, everybody counted at the Jags. And then it felt like some magical shit, (laughs) like Trevor Lawrence and the magic (laughs) of him and Doug Peterson came back from 27 down to pull off such an historic comeback. Edgar, what was your biggest takeaway from such a huge collapse from the Chargers? Uh, My biggest takeaway was we got to look at the defense, man. Like, I understand Justin Herbert couldn't – Justin Herbert in the offense couldn't get any more touchdowns later into the game. But allowing such a huge comeback late in the game, we can't sleep on that and we can't allow – any excuses for that i feel like as the defense yes you're looking at the offense like okay just get another field goal or you know just run the clock as much as you can but if you see that's not happening you guys have put up such a stance in the first half where did all that energy go in the second half so i'm looking at brandon staley kind of crazy because it's like okay this isn't a week where we're wondering how you guys can't score and then we're looking at you for messing up the offensive flow this is your specialty Brandon Staley like how as a defensive head coach and the main person in contact with the defensive coordinator how can you guys let such a historic comeback happen uh the ball was turned over five times I think by Jacksonville yes this is this is the first time that a team with a five turnover um uh favor ended up losing the game in the playoffs. So it it just didn't make sense. We really got to look at the defense for this. I know the offensive coordinator, I believe, and the quarterback coach were fired, but Mm -hmm. I'm looking at Brandon Staley. Like, how the hell is he unscathed from all of this? Yeah. See, the biggest takeaway I had was the Justin Herbert thing because if you want to make your name in the playoffs, if we, if you want to be a top five quarterback, because we want to have him in these conversations, we've always have him like talent wise, he's a top five, top six quarterback in the league. So you got to make your name in the playoffs. So we were really looking forward to what he was going to do. Obviously his first playoff appearance, you're playing the Jags, you're the favorite. We're looking at you to show up big in the first half. I don't even think he was that impressive in the first half. It was just the defense was creating so many turnovers that it was creating easy touchdowns for the offense, not a lot of long, sustaining drives. But still, you were up 27-0. 
I expected way more big plays from Justin Herbert, and we got none. I understand the criticism of the defense because giving up 30 points in the second half or 23 points in the second half, ridiculous, especially to that Jaguars offense where they don't have a lot of talent across the board. You can't do that. But Justin Herbert, you got to do your thing, bro. You're supposed to be a top five quarterback. You have to make plays in those big moments, not getting the key first downs to continue drives, not getting those key fourth and ones, not audibling to something other than a, a run play to get stopped to, well, with that Jaguars defense, audibling and having control of the offense. We just didn't see any of that. He was just going with the flow. It felt like no control, and he was just letting it all pass by. You know what I'm saying? I didn't see him getting angry on the sideline. I didn't see him being aggressive with his teammates. I understand that everybody has different leadership styles, but at some point, when you see this lead slipping away, somebody has to be getting in the team's ass to say, okay, God, let, let's stop this shit right now. Let's get a first down. Let's get, get the clock going so we can just run this clock out. Nobody, the coach, Justin Herbert, nobody on the defense stepped up to be a, a vocal leader in this moment, and we got the turnout that we did. Obviously, shout out to the Jags for pulling off this comeback because it was historic. A lot of credit to Trevor Lawrence, that defense, and to uh, Evan Ingram. But that collapse by the Chargers, it told me more about the Chargers than it did the Jags. It honestly did. So, and like yeah. you said, shout, shout out to Trevor Lawrence, you know, having multiple interceptions in the first half of the game. Oh, not just multiple, four. Four yeah. interceptions in the first half. And then turning that into, what, three to four touchdowns to end up winning mm -hmm. the game? Like, that that's huge. So, yes, we can sit here and say this game told us more about the Chargers, but I think we also seen a lot with the Jags with their resilience that they have. In but this, this is so, run. but this is so common for the Chargers, and I think that's why we always go back to this is a Chargers collapse more than a Jaguars mm -hmm. wins because we can talk about even pre Justin Herbert going back to Philip Rivers days and even before that how there's just a Chargers curse that's going around, bro. And nobody knows what's it is, what it is, whether it was just Philip Rivers and how he couldn't get over the hump, whether it was the coaches that they had over the previous years. It's something in Los Angeles slash San Diego that they cannot get over the hump. And even though they have some of the most talent in the league, they can't get it done. Like they have, they still have some of the most talent. Even with Mike Williams not playing in this game, they mm -hmm. still had Eckler. They still had Keenan Allen. They still had Josh Palmer. They still had so right. many weapons, I felt like. And that defense is loaded. You're paying millions of millions of dollars to that defense in Khalil Mack, Bosa, Derwin James, Asante Samuel. And you can't stop them? You can't stop the right. Jags, bro? Like, like I said, credit to Trevor Lawrence, but it's the Jags, and we see the weapons that those boys have over there. Even bro. though... Even though it's Trevor Lawrence, it's his second year in the league and his first time ever in the playoffs. Shake that man up, make him nervous. Y'all had I him shut the did, whole first but... half. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Y'all had him shut the whole first half. Mm -hmm. But damn, he came back out and said, All right, the jitter's gone. Now I can't I can't possibly play any worse than that. And mm -hmm. we see he didn't. He completely flipped the script and had a whole different mindset for the second half. So it, it told us a lot about the Chargers, but it, it gave us confidence in the future of the Jaguars, even if we don't even if we don't look at them winning anymore in this playoffs, we can see a lot for them in the regular season of next year. I've made a two uh, Wednesday earlier in the season, and I said that Trevor Lawrence would have more playoff success and would make it to an AFC championship game before Justin Herbert, because I think mm -hmm. that was after they ended up beating uh, LA in the regular season. 
And I think that's still going to come to fruition. It's just something about the Chargers. No matter who they fire, no matter who their coach is, it's just a Chargers curse at this point, bro. And all of the pieces that they're accumulating in Jacksonville is going to build a winning culture and a winning franchise. Doug Peterson is the right coach. Trevor Lawrence, you see how he bounced back from four interceptions to pull off the big W. They're obviously going to continue to gain more talent and offensive weapons. This team can really go nowhere but up and they're already in the divisional round of the playoffs. They are over-exceeded expectations, bro. So they're already ahead of schedule. No matter what happens this weekend, shout out to the Jags, bro. Definitely ahead of schedule, bro. Definitely ahead. Moving on to another game that was big. It was the Giants versus Vikings game. And definitely salute the Daniel Jones, because he was a topic last week when we were talking about this game. on. He was going to be the key component and why the Giants could potentially win that Vikings game, and he was. 70 yards on the ground, 300 yards of passing. Such a big overall performance from him, especially going into the game. It was so many questions on if he was ready for this big of a moment. And he he stepped up to the plate and exceeded expectations. Yeah, and I know a lot of people are knocking the Vikings defense, saying, well, the Vikings defense has been trash like majority of this year. Daniel Jones still had to rise to the occasion. He still had to get the job done. Daniel Jones is not a quarterback that we look at like, oh, yeah, he should be able to beat uh, the Vikings. They should He should be able to throw for this many yards. If this was a different caliber of a quarterback, like let's say if this was Dak Prescott or something, then, yeah, of course we expect play like that. But we didn't expect that. Even if we picked the Giants to win in an upset, we didn't think it would be because of Daniel Jones. We thought Daniel Jones would just be part of the winning. But the fact that he led that win, the fact that he played so phenomenal, that was astounding to me. And the two-hour Wednesday that I had last week of, you know, who has a better chance of having a um like a latter half of their career. And when, when I said Derek Carr, Daniel Jones, it wasn't hard for either of us to really say Daniel Jones because – we're seeing the best of him this entire season. I know he's been trash for the most part leading up to this, but again, this is why Brian Daybold needs to get a, they literally just need to mail him coach of the year at this point. They shouldn't even have a debate. There shouldn't even be participants. It has to be Brian Daybold because turning a trash dumpster fire of Daniel Jones, who tripping over himself when he 20 yards ahead of people running to the end zone to a quarterback that has a chance to even knock off the Philadelphia Eagles. They have a chance. I'm not saying they'll do it, but this ain't like they throwing a snowball into a fire at this point. It's like, nah, if the Eagles end up slipping, the Giants might get this dub. Mm -hmm. So we got to give Daniel Jones credit at this point. The Vikings, they let me the hell down. I gave up on the Vikings. But did we not predict this? Because I couldn't couldn't even be surprised watching it happen. You kept predicting it. I kept trying to have hope. I kept trying to have hope. But Captain Kurt let me down again. Because it's like I've seen it transpire, and it's like – Nobody, I feel like nobody was really surprised though, even with the season that the uh mm-hmm. the Vikings had going 13 and 4 or 12 and 5, whatever they finished off the season as it was like everybody was still predicting, like, oh, they're still not gonna have the run that they should have with this mm-hmm. amount of talent on their team. The defense had a lot of holes, and there were so many questions that always returned, or if Kirk Cousins can step up to the plate and he just couldn't in the last minute. Like, what the fuck was that last play on fourth down? The nigga throws a three-yard pass on fourth and seven? That Those are the type off, of bro. plays from Kirk where it's like, bro, what are you even thinking, bro? So that's why we always go back and nobody can truly believe in the Vikings, bro. It's because of that quarterback position. 
Obviously, the Giants did a tremendous job of shutting down Jefferson. He really didn't do anything in that second half. Couldn't really get going. Like, the whole offense was really pretty much uh, kept in check for the most part. So definitely salute to that Giants uh, defense. But Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and the, the, those wide receivers that they had, those no-name wide receivers made some huge plays once again, bro. And the, that's why I said last week. The fact that Daniel Jones has been leading this group the whole season with you can't name a wide receiver on his team is tremendous, bro. Yeah, yes, give credit to, to Dayball for putting it all together, but I give more credit to Daniel Jones, bro, His uh, and his progression over this past season. Him not turning the ball over has obviously been one oh, huge yeah, improvement for, sure. for him. Because last year he was a turnover machine, and he's only turned over the ball like eight, nine times this year, like fumbles and interceptions uh, total. And he doesn't even have that many touchdowns this season. So mm -hmm. we see there is a balance between him and Saquon Barkley with how this offense officiates itself. So the fact that he doesn't have to have mind-boggling stats to still have an effective game, like the game he just had against the Vikings, that's probably the best game he's had of his career. And mm -hmm. it probably didn't even take him playing like that to beat the Vikings. It was just the fact that, hey, that defense is weak enough to where even Daniel Jones could have a big day. But I say all that to say the points we were making last week of Daniel Jones could have an Eli Manning type of run. I'm not saying the man going to get multiple Super Bowls, but the fact of we being were, a consistent yeah. winning quarterback, mm -hmm. that's what I meant when I was saying yeah. that. Like Now, Super Bowls, that, that remains to be seen, like, even, even Eli Manning but, was a step above but, Daniel Jones. But him. I'm saying we compared those two last week, and they have similar games for sure. They're they not do. going to be great in the regular season, middle of the pack QBs in the regular season, but in the playoff moments, they rise to the level. We've seen in one game, it's only a one-game sample size, so we can't say he's going to have an Eli Manning career based off one game. But his first game in the playoffs, he does that? If he does something similar next week and knocks off the Eagles? He's on an Eli Manning type of trajectory. Even if he doesn't knock off the Eagles, bro, if Daniel Jones just plays a solid-ass game to where we could say it damn sure wasn't his reason why they lost, he, he's on a good path, bro. He's on a oh, good yeah. path at that point. They, yeah. and the Eagle, Not the Eagles, but the Giants strongly have to just consider keeping him as oh, the Yeah, they, they have the to keep him at this years. point. They have to keep him at this yeah. point. Yeah. And uh, moving on to the next game, we had a couple of games that we were not expecting to be close. That was super close. Ravens versus Bengals and Miami versus the Bills. Obviously, Miami didn't have Tua because of the concussion, and they didn't have Teddy Bridgewater because of a hand injury. So they had went out there with Skylar Thompson, third-string quarterback, and almost pulled off the impossible and knocked off the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. So, Edgar, what was your biggest reaction to that game? Because like, nobody was really expecting it. You know, They were up 17-0, then they got came back on as well. So that was just a hell of a game. So I'll talk about Miami first before I talk about Buffalo. Honestly, Miami could have, and I'll damn to say they should have won that game. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I have to blame Mike McDaniel and the for this because you have a third-string quarterback that has not started or Denner played, honestly, this entire damn season. His first official start and full game is the playoff is a playoff road game in Buffalo. And y'all don't have a list of plays written out for fourth down for end of game for two minutes. Like y'all got this man on a last second, like rush to the line every time like that. 
that made no sense to me. So poor clock management is really why the Miami Dolphins lost that game because they could have very well won it, at least tied in to go to overtime or something. So the fact that they lost that game just due to the lack of preparation and lack of time management skills, that pissed me off. And I tweeted that like Mike McDaniels and the coaching staff of the Dolphins, they should be ashamed of themselves. Because you can't have Skylar Thompson out. Skylar Thompson is looking at the bench waiting to get plays from y'all. He don't have enough authority to give a damn audible or some shit. Now, if Tua was out there or even Teddy Bridgewater, like, they can really, even if they're not hearing a play in a certain amount of time, they can just be like, okay, get to the line, get to the line. I'll figure some shit out and then let it go from there. But Thompson, he looking at his armband. He waiting to hear what you finna tell him. He don't give a damn that the clock say seven seconds left. He waiting for you to tell him something. And the mm-hmm. fact that they weren't, that was just pissing me off. So the Dolphins could have and should have won that game, but they didn't just because of, you know, the lack of um, discipline when it came to stuff like that. But the Bills, they they scared me, bro. They scared me in a sense of, damn, if Skylar Thompson can damn near pull a comeback on y'all, I don't know how y'all finna get through this. <laughs> and that's the, that's the point I was going to dive into, bro. We've been talking about it the whole year, how the Bills were the favorites coming into this year. This was supposed This is supposed to be the Bills season. And throughout this season, it's been way more questions than answers with the Bills. And it's from their best player and Josh Allen in terms of the decision making. It still doesn't make sense. Yeah, with the turn, it still doesn't make sense, bro. So that was my biggest takeaway. The fact that he let them stay around in that game, that huge fumble that it was a scoop and score. He had a a couple of interceptions. A couple one of them wasn't his fault. It was like a tip interception. But one, he was just trying to force it into the uh into the window, ended up getting picked off. So I'm telling you, and this game against the Bengals, if he does that same bullshit. The Bengals, bro, the Bengals is running through that shit, bro. I promise you Burrow is taking advantage of this defense if he does that same bullshit again, bro. But this this weekend told me that rivalries and division matchups in the playoffs matter, bro. And no matter who is playing quarterback and no matter who's on the other side of the field from you, they're always going to have a chance because we predict the blowouts for, in the Bengals and Ravens game because no Lamar Jackson, Ravens no chance. But it's such a Look, rivalry game. I told game you they had a chance. Have, I told you the Ravens. I told you the Ravens had a chance to tough, even if it ends up being a blowout by the end of the game. I had more faith in the Ravens giving the Bengals a tough time than I did the Dolphins giving the Bills a tough time. I did not see that coming with yeah, the Yeah, I could have seen the Ravens one. I could have seen the Ravens one. Because the Ravens just got to slow down the game with the running yeah, game. Yeah. And the run game was just working consistently where it was like, I, we are obviously going to lean on this. The The Buffalo Bills game was definitely the surprise one to me. But I was surprised yeah. by both, honestly. But, <laughs> but yeah, but it was the fact that the Ravens were another team that should have won. They were, yeah. it was fourth and one. They, or yeah, um, it was a fourth and goal or third and goal. They were at the two yard line. Huntley ended up fumbling, and Hubbard took it back for a 98 yard touchdown to go up by seven. And that basically was the game winning touchdown. The Ravens mm-hmm. were in position to win that game, no Lamar Jackson, and take down the defending AFC champions. And that, that's just crazy. But like, that's mind boggling me. That's why I said I was surprised by both. Like, obviously, the least surprising was the Ravens and the, the Bengals, but I still couldn't believe that game was down to the wire like that. I mean, Joe Burrow barely had the ball in his hands. The Ravens controlled everything on the field for this game, but it was that one crucial turnover that just knocked them out of it, and they couldn't recover. They didn't have the the quarterback to really lead them back in it. They still had a chance toward the end, but it was was basically over. It was basically over when uh, that fumble happened. 
And not only are these division rivals for both of these games, this is the third time these teams are playing each other this season. Now, it's different if they if these were teams that only played each other once during the regular and then they so happen to play each other again in the playoffs. But no, these teams already play each other twice. And with the Bengals and the Ravens, another reason why I said that game could be a lot more entertaining is because they literally just played the week before. They mm-hmm. played each other the 18th week of the season, and then literally the next week for the wild card, they played again. So that's why I thought the game for um, the Bengals would be a lot more up in the air, even if they do pull it out in the end, just because of the fact that this team knows you so well, and they just played you last week. Y'all only had mm-hmm. six to seven days to you know try to make up something new, to, and you did it. And the rate and John Harbaugh read y'all like a book for majority of the game. Mm-hmm. Yes, but definitely salute to Tyler Huntley, bro, because I did not expect him to play that well in that type of matchup in the playoffs. And J.K. Dobbins in that running game was obviously flourishing. It was just that crucial fumble that they could not bounce back from, bro. So honestly, we got the Bills and the Bengals going into their um divisional round matchup where they're not coming off the best of games. Honestly, y'all yep. should have been blowing out y'all opponents, but hey. Y'all survive in advance. That's the name of the game. So now they're going into the matchup ready to really bounce back from those type of performances. That's why I think that game will be the best of the weekend, bro, because both are trying to redeem themselves from what that just happened. Yeah, and it's um it's going to be a lot of emotion with this game, with the DeMar Hamlin situation. Mm-hmm. Like, these teams haven't seen each other since that moment weeks ago. So yeah. it, it's going to be a lot of emotion. I think the Bills are at home, so it's going to be a lot of emotion. It's just going to be high stakes for both, like Quincy just said, just because of both of the games that um they came off of. And also, it was something else I wanted to say in regards to the Ravens. I like how J.K. Dobbins spoke up about Lamar because – and I don't I don't take this as any discredit, excuse me, to um, Tyler Huntley at all, but he came out and said, I should have had the ball in that situation where, where um Huntley tried to dive over into the end zone – ended up fumbling for like a 92, 93 yard scoop and score. He he basically came out and said, I should have had the ball in that moment. No disrespect to Huntley or anything like that, but that was just not good play calling. The ball should have been in my hands. Oh, and if we had Lamar, we would have won too. So I love the fact that he spoke up and addressed the elephant in the room because now I think the Ravens are kind of forced to have to try and really <laughs> – get some money to Lamar because now not only do you have us as the fans and the spectators and the critics wondering what the hell y'all doing now you see even inside the locker room your players are like bro get this guy back in here this is a playoff game that we could have won we almost won with Huntley exactly so I know we would have we would have won if if the main man was here so and you see how none of the players talked spoke out against Lamar in terms of his decision to not play. Exactly. And this is what I was bringing up last week of people want to see you get your money before this winning shit. Even though we all play to win a Super Bowl, we all want to make the most amount of money possible to feed our families. That's what everybody in the league is obviously have a, a common goal of that. So nobody Especially spoke out against him or not playing. First guy. Lamar is a team first guy. Now exactly. it'd be different if he was on some, you know, I'm a loner, like I'm only worried about mm-hmm. me type stuff but he's not Lamar has always been about the team he's played hurt before like mm-hmm. he played this whole season before getting hurt with no, with no real answer on what his contract was going to be exactly so the fact that the, the team knows him as a person 
that they're like, hey, he really committed to us and he really wants to be out here with us, but he doesn't want to do it if he's not healthy and he doesn't want to do it if he's not getting the money he deserves. So as his teammates, we fully support that. So I, exactly. I totally agree. And I think that's a big lesson for anybody else moving forward. It's like you get your money first. That should always be the number one priority. No matter what sport you're playing, the, the payment is the number one option. That team shit comes after. Because like I said, everybody wants to feed their family with this game. And moving forward to the next couple of games were definitely blowouts, bro. We had the Bucks versus the Cowboys game was a slanderous game. And then we had the uh we had the Seahawks versus the 49ers. It started off pretty close. Seahawks tried to keep it close, and then the 49ers started to break loose toward the end. Any big takeaways? Obviously, you're a Bucks fan, so I know you were disappointed with that. Um, let, let me start with the 49ers Seattle game first. Um, shout out to the um Seattle Seahawks, bro. Shout out to Geno Smith for a great season. I don't care what nobody say about how you kind of fell off towards the end of the season. The fact that you led the league in majority of QB statistics for at least six to seven weeks this season, bro, feel proud in that. The Seahawks as a whole should feel proud about this season because it was a lot of people saying they weren't even going to be second in their division, let alone make the damn playoffs. Yeah, for So sure. shout out to the Seahawks for that. Shout out for at least making it a game unlike a team that I – proudly represent y'all got blew out at the end with um i think the score was 41 to 17 mm -hmm. but at least y'all went in the halftime saying damn we got a chance we could really do this now let me talk about these tampa bay buccaneers of mine that was utterly embarrassing bro like i don't think we we haven't played a game that bad in years bro like, when I tell you it was just such a deflating thing to watch, like, it was just sad. Dallas came out there with everything to prove. They had the higher expectation. They had the stigma of they can't win. They had the whole thing of Brady is undefeated against the Cowboys and shit. Everything was against the Cowboys to where they said, bump that. We finna come out here and punch them in the mouth, and we finna let them know we here. The Cowboys had the right mindset. We honestly played like we had a mindset of we know we finna beat these people and we don't care. And we don't even really care to try to score for real because we know we held them to such a low score last time. So we came out with just a lackluster of energy. And I, I was just so disappointed. The play calling was terrible. Brady, Tom Brady was terrible in this game, bro. The the interceptions, just the, the dirt bombs that he always throws, like, it was just terrible. Mike Evans would have dropped. Granted, by the time he dropped that ball, we was down by, like, three touchdowns. But uh, the drop by Mike Evans, like, what were we on, bro? Like, that was one of the worst games we've played in at least the last six I'd say the last five to six years. That's but this isn't the, the only time y'all play like this. Y'all had some bad games throughout the season, too. No, but not this, this bad, though. Not I think y'all had this bad. Because I think it was some games like that game against the Saints. Y'all looked terrible until those last two possessions where y'all ended up coming back on them and beating them at the end. Y'all looked like this where y'all couldn't score or do least, anything. At least defensively with the Saints, we held them oh, to such a okay, low score. Yeah, at yeah, least yeah. one side of the ball was fine. We mm. were getting blown out this past week, and we weren't scoring. That was my issue. At least if it was a low-scoring game and we couldn't score, at least I could say, well, damn, at least the defense made it somewhat possible. But no, the defense, that Prescott, honestly, that might have been the best game of that Prescott career. I don't care how least in talent we are, how less in talent we are to the Dallas Cowboys. 
we're still the Bucks, and there's still an expectation with us to where that was an impressive ass win. So, because not only were people not expecting the Cowboys to win, they weren't expecting them to win like that if they did. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Dak Prescott possibly had his best game against us and we had nothing to show for it, I'm pissed about it, bro. I know the rumors of Leftwich being fired are already out there. It hasn't been made official yet, but I we know it's going to happen at this point. I low-key want Todd Bowles to go to or at least be demoted, even if he's not just fired. But it ain't like it's a whole flood of great coaches on the market right now. So I have to be realistic with that. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a tough situation for the Bucks moving forward. And I think that's why everybody, it felt like the end of, not a dynasty, but the end of the road for everything. The I feel era. like, yeah, end of the era. So that's a good way to put it. Because Levante David is a free agent. He's like been one of the best Bucks players for the last, what, nine, ten years at this point. Mm-hmm. He's about to be a free agent. It feels like everybody's just about to break off. Tom Brady, you don't know if he's going to retire. You don't know if he's going to go to another team. Like the good players for the Bucks, like Mike Evans getting older. Uh, you still got a young secondary, but it just felt like an end of an era type of game where it's like, damn, this is it in terms of like the championship Buccaneers, bro. So, so it, was, it was a tough, definitely a tough game to watch for my people. My mom is still trying to get over the game, her <laughs> being a Buck fan and all, but it was just a tough game. It was embarrassing, bro. But it's something that we've seen throughout the season with like the offense not getting going. But I was not expecting the Cowboys offense to look so automatic and so on point, especially with what we've seen the week before against the Commanders where they couldn't get shit going. So the fact that they looked so dominant and on point in the game against the Bucks was definitely surprising to me, bro. So Dak Prescott was definitely the MVP of that matchup, bro. But I'm excited to see how they look against the San Francisco 49ers next week with similar talent on both teams. That defense is going to be at Dak's neck. It's more questions. Even though Dak answered more uh, answered questions with this game, he's going to have to step up to another level to get over the hump with the San Francisco 49ers. So it's nothing but Especially good Especially after folding to them last year. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But this is, the, this is the thing with that, bro, because we, I'll say we, talk so much shit about that in terms of like, oh, was he worth the money? Oh, everybody say, oh, was he worth the money? Damn, he shouldn't be getting that kind of money. He has a huge win like that, right? So the, you would think the doubters kind of quiet down after that type of win. But even I start to feel like even more questions are starting to be asked about that because now the expectation is, oh, now you have to play against the Niners. But he just beat the Bucks. He beat a team yeah, that he's he never beaten before. Lights out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like, why is he not getting credit for that game? Even though, yes, yes, like yes, you want to beat the San Francisco 49ers. They're the underdogs in that matchup, though. So why do we have more questions about Dak? Even though he just got a win that a lot of people weren't expecting for him to get, even it's though he had Cowboys a better team. Narrative. It's that and that's Cowboys what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? But that's the thing about Dak. It's like we had so many questions, so many people doubt him. He proved doubters wrong, but then more people are just going to continue to ask the, the questions about him. It's weird. It's, it's weird because with the Cowboys. I, I think it's just because of um the standard. The First off, it's the but what is the, sta- the, what, but, the but what is the real standard for Cowboys fans? Bro? They haven't won shit in 25 years. I, like, I totally is, agree. I'm so just like, telling you yeah. what they probably think. Yeah. <laughs> like what, what, what he just did is the standard. <laughs> because I, I think this year, and I like I said before, like the last couple, they've treated this like Super Bowl or bust, but I think really this year is Super Bowl or bust. Like the, you as a Cowboys fan, you can't walk away from this season with anything less than at least a Super Bowl appearance and say that this was a good season, bro. You just mm-hmm. can't. You can't walk away with anything less than a Super Bowl appearance and be happy. So 
I think it's the standard that they're holding themselves to. And I think it's just the stigma that the Cowboys and Dak have placed upon themselves. He played lights out. So as somebody who, who said Dak didn't deserve and I, up until that game, I still didn't think he deserved the money that he's getting. He at least proved me wrong for that game. Now, yes, can he do it again? That Of course, that is a question we have to ask, but let's not act like what just happened didn't happen. That's what I'm saying. Like, let's give him his credit because I feel like even next year and years moving forward, everybody's going to forget this type of performance. Like, he hasn't shown himself to be good in the playoffs. That's if what he would have laid an egg, oh, they would oh, be talking That's about what I'm saying. Niggas would have been yeah. digging in his shit. But no, he won, but we barely hear shit. We hear more questions now when he went up a level. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's weird. But moving on to the uh, NFL preview for the divisional round matchups. We got some huge games going on this week. Obviously, we get to the uh, nitty gritty. But we're going to start off in chronological order, starting off with Saturday's game at 430. We got the Jags versus the Chiefs. Edgar, what do you predict to happen for this matchup? Who will be the X factor? Uh, hmm. Who will be the X factor? Uh... I think Trevor Lawrence will be the X factor, even if I don't have the Jags winning, because I got the Chiefs winning this game, and I think they'll win pretty handedly. If the Jags even want to be competitive in this, Trevor Lawrence has to have a full game. He has to come out the gate like how he was in that second half of that Chargers game. You can't go down three to four interceptions or turnovers to the Chiefs and think they're not going to convert those into points. And they're going to get touchdowns, not just field goals. So you can't come out here throwing three interceptions in this game and expect to beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead. So I think Trevor Lawrence has to be the X factor. He cannot turn the ball over. Then maybe one interception. And I, if he if he can find a way to not get one, please do so. So I mm-hmm. think Trevor Lawrence will be the X factor, although I still have the Chiefs winning. The only way I truly believe the Jags win is they have to go run heavy, bro. I think they got to go run heavy. I think Travis Etienne has to have a big game. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence has to make big throws down the stretch. You're always going to need your quarterback. But I think Travis Etienne is going to be the X factor for this game, bro. If he can give me over 120 yards rushing, I think. And I think he can do that. And I think the uh, Chiefs defense is susceptible to giving that up on the ground. I think we can see a way closer game than what a lot of people are expecting right now. Because currently, what is the spread of this game? And, and that's a good point. That's a good point because you want to keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. You gotta click. We've seen over the years whether it was the Patriots knocking them off, whether it was the uh, the Bengals knocking them off. It's always a clock management thing because if you put the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands, I don't care who you have on your defense. The man is most likely gonna put up points, bro. So you gotta keep the ball out of that nigga's hands. And currently, the spread is eight and a half points favoring the Chiefs, obviously. Mm-hmm. But if you keep the ball. In Travis Etienne's hands, and you keep that line moving because the the Jags, I think, have do have a good offensive line. So I think they can get some things moving on the ground game. I think they have a real chance to win it. Do I think they win? I agree with you. No, but I think this game is close. The Chiefs will need a game winning field goal to knock mm. off the Jags. I think it'll be that type of uh, game. And see, being that they seen them early in the season, even though the Jags lost that game. I think that will be advantage to the Jags because you you have a semblance of what you will see on the field. You've seen them mm-hmm. before. Obviously, the Chiefs can add some new players to the system and some wrinkles, but you know for the most part what you're going to get. 
And like we said about these other teams, these rivalry games, having that opportunity to see a team once or twice throughout the season plays a huge part in what you do come playoff time. And I think that will be advantage Jags in this type of matchup. But I think Patrick Mahomes ends up getting it done. Game-winning field goal, though. Game-winning field goal. True. All right. Moving on to Giants versus the Eagles. This is an 8 o'clock matchup for the Saturday night. What you got? NFC East battle. They've seen each other twice this year. Um, damn. Who would I have as the X factor in this game? Uh, hmm. Who's the X factor? Who's the X factor? And currently the I Eagles would, are a seven and a half point spread on Bovada right now. They're the favorite by seven and a half. I would say the X factor would have to be Saquon Barkley just because although like we talked about earlier with Daniel Jones and the amazing performance he had against the Vikings, you can't count on him at this moment in his career. You can't count on him to do that consistently back to back weeks, especially in the playoffs right now. So I think if you're the Giants, just stick with your formula of letting Saquon Barkley be the primary reason you're getting yards and just allow Daniel Jones to make the small necessary throws when um, when needed. And I, I think if you can do that, you could chip away at the Philadelphia defense a lot better because at that point, you're keeping everything in front of them, yes, so they have that advantage, but you're milking the clock, you're – using your um your primary source of scoring in Saquon and he's gonna eat I, I know that Eagles D-line is pretty strong but I think he he'll have a good game against them and you just make it so much easier on Daniel Jones to where you don't have to look at him to make a big play if he makes one cool but you take that pressure off of him so Saquon Barkley is the X factor in this game I have the Eagles winning though I'm calling upset with this one bro and I think that I think the Giants defense will play the biggest part in this game. Damn. And, these, and these boys just seen the Eagles offense a week or two ago, a week and a half ago, because they played on January 8th. That's when Hertz came back for the first time. And mm-hmm. um, uh, the, the Giants ended up sitting Daniel Jones for this game. It was still a close matchup. But I think once again, seeing a team twice throughout the season and the fact that you've just seen them a couple of weeks ago, you've seen the Eagles full offense a couple of weeks ago. The Giants defense will play a huge part. I think they get a couple of turnovers off this Eagles team, which do not they do not turn the ball over. The Eagles don't. But I think the Giants defense creates a couple of huge turnovers. I think this will be a very low scoring game, 13 to 10 type of matchup. But I think Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones will make enough plays to get it done. But I think that Giants defense will be the key. And I think they'll create a couple turnovers. And this is where I think Nick Sirianni made a a terrible decision in coming out saying this. But coming out about a week or so ago saying that Jalen is playing hurt. People are remembering this. Like the Mm -hmm. players know this. Like the Giants defense, they licking their chops right now because – of course, you don't want to just maliciously hit somebody and just purposely hurt somebody. But this still is a violent sport at the end of the day. And they're going to find every way possible to hit him. Uh, he hurting a little bit right there. Let's let's try to knock up against him right there when we tackle him this time. Or when mm-hmm. we push him while he's throwing the ball, let's just dig under that shoulder a little bit when we push him. They're going to find ways to, you know, nick and, and just crack the surface of um, Jalen Hurts' injury 
to where they compromise him as much as possible to where he's not going to want to use his legs to where he's mm-hmm. going to just try to be a pocket passer. Not saying he can't, but we know that his his primary way of getting um, the offense down the field is through his athleticism. So mm-hmm. I agree with you with that. The defense will play a huge part because they know they're playing a, a injury and everybody's injured at this point in the year, but a, a detrimental injury, a detrimentally injured Jalen hurts. So mm-hmm. good point. It's going to be a tough one, bro. It's going to be a tough matchup. And it's crazy because the Eagles were the favorites the whole year. But I think that point in time when Jalen Hurts got hurt, I think that really affected how this team was playing. The momentum of the team, I feel like everything started to slow down. I still think the Eagles' defense is one of the best in the league. That's why I think it's going to be still a low-scoring game. Daniel Jones isn't going to make a lot of huge plays in terms of like 20-plus yards down the field. But I mm-hmm. think a couple of big uh, runs by Saquon Barkley can couple, definitely change this matchup for sure, bro. So I definitely got the Giants winning. I didn't even expect myself to say that going into this podcast, but I got the Giants. Moving on, we got the Bengals and the Bills. This will be 3 o'clock on Sunday, bro. This is the, this is the matchup of the weekend, bro. The yeah. matchup We all want to see the matchup we were – obviously we, were, uh, we couldn't get because of the DeMar Hamlin situation a few weeks ago. But we have it now on a bigger stage. Who do we have winning this game? I got the Bengals winning, bro. Like, I think um, Joe Burrow, he's going to have a good bounce back from this last week against the Ravens. I think he's a more accurate quarterback than Josh Allen, and I think he's making fewer mistakes. They both, towards the later half of this season, they both were starting to make some shaky mistakes to where you're like, hey, it's, it's damn near playoff time. You can't do that. But I trust her, not her, bro. I trust Burrow a lot more that Allen at this point, and especially what? when I seen, yeah, I, I trust Burrow a lot more than Josh Allen right now. I told y'all, Josh Allen got to prove himself to me. I said this shit way before the um the season even. Josh started. Allen, your nigga though. Hold on, Josh Allen, your nigga though. That was the nigga you was riding with. Remember, Three years you talking about this nigga. I told you at the beginning of the season, Josh Allen got to prove me wrong. He got. I didn't know you was just up. jumping off ship and riding with Burrow, nah. Oh, well, not just because it's specifically Burrow, but I'm telling you in this in this matchup, in this situation, mm-hmm. I think Burrow is the better quarterback. I think he will make the fewest, the fewest mistakes. So wow. I'm I told you the, the, the Bills gotta shut me up. The Bills gotta yeah. shut me up. That's that's the only way I'll get Josh Allen his props back. And anybody that's been listening to this pod, y'all know I've been on Josh Allen heavy. I thought this man should have won MVP the last two years, but we see how that turned out. So I got to get off of the bandwagon for him to realize, damn, somebody ain't rooting for me right now. I don't know who the hell it is. <laughs> this is probably why I'm going to lose because this nigga ain't but rooting some, for me. But <laughs> somebody not rooting for me right now. This shit got to this shit gotta change. So, hey, shut me up, Josh Allen. I'm picking Burrow and the Bengals. Yeah. but And it's funny because I think that's a reason why I should pick the Bills because I feel like so many people, and I feel like the Bills are starting to hear that noise of like, L, the Bengals are favored at home at Buffalo. Like, y'all really going to let that shit happen? So I think Buffalo is going to come out with a, a extra amount of energy, you know what I'm saying, and motivation to knock out the They're going to do uh, it Bengals for early. DeMar, too. They're going to have yeah. DeMar energy for sure. I'm still going to rock with the Bengals because that's the logical answer. I think the Bills will have, jump out to a hot start, though. But what I seen last week against the Dolphins, a lot of plays are susceptible to be made on this Bengals defense, bro. It, it just is. You can make a lot of plays on them. I think not a lot of plays can be made in the, the running game. So, obviously, a lot will be put on these wide receivers to get open. The Bills predominantly run zone. You have three good wide receivers. I think, obviously, the Bengals will end up winning that matchup. So, I got I got the Bengals, bro. I think 
I have to see more from their defense, though. I have to see more from their defense because what we've seen in that uh, Ravens game showed us that you guys can be taken out if somebody wears you down in terms of the running game. So if mm-hmm. but that was one thing we talked about throughout the season. Buffalo wasn't running the ball enough. It was too much through the air, through the air. I don't think you're going to get a lot of stuff on the Bengals through the air. But if you run at Cincinnati, I think there will be holes that will be open. But will Buffalo take advantage? Will they be wise enough to take advantage? Or would they put it all on uh, Josh Allen? Well, I'm not sure. Is Eli Apple still hurt? No, Apple's still playing. Apple's still playing? Oh, okay. But, you know, they're going to have say. somebody over the top of, of uh, Apple. And they're not going to let, let Apple run one-on-one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, that was my only thing. As long as the secondary is straight for the Bengals, I think even with a good running game, if the Bills come with one, I think they can still stand up defensively uh, to the Bills. Uh, mm-hmm. Stefan Diggs' name hasn't been ringing out a lot lately. I know um, this last game against the Dolphins, he went crazy, but just over the last stretch of games, he, he just hasn't been too loud with his stats. So if they can find a way to neutralize him, I think they have a good chance of winning pretty soundly. I'll say if Whoa. I had to give a if I have to give a score with this game, I'll say I'll say 28-25. And the Bengals are not the Bengals, but the Bills are currently a five-point favorite on Bavada right now. Obviously at home, so the five-point favorite. Mm, I think it is going to be close, bro. I would say 24-28, something like that. 24-28. The Bengals are, yeah, the Bengals have the four touchdowns. But like I said, I feel like if Buffalo really wants to win this game, bro, you have to put the ball in James Cook hands and let him work out of the backfield. I think the Bengals are susceptible to giving up the big play in the run game. We've seen it. If you wear them down, you can get them. You can beat them. But will they take advantage? Will Buffalo take advantage? Got to see. And then the last game of the weekend is the Niners versus the Cowboys. Obviously, this is a game that we just talked about with, uh, with Dak Prescott. Many people are asking even more questions now because he's at a higher level against a better team in the San Francisco 49ers. But then on the other side of the ball, you have Brock Purdy, somebody who's not used to this moment. He won last week, but you play an even better team than Seattle with this Cowboys defense. So who who do you have with this matchup? Uh, I got the Niners. I think they're going to win this. It's going to be a tough. This might be the toughest game of this weekend. Uh, The X factor for this game, I'll say Debo Samuels. Um, We know what he can do. We know the type of – electric boost that he gives this Niners offense but I think to make it a lot simpler on Brock Purdy yes facing a a elevated team from the Seahawks now in the Cowboys I think you got to make it you have to make each play so explosive for him and when I say explosive I don't mean huge yards I'm just saying you got to expand the playbook and come up with every trick you can because this Dallas defense they just showed they for real when they played the Buccaneers um, this past week. So in order for Brock Purdy to really be effective, I think they got to pull out whatever trick plays they can, have Debo, you know, run across the line of scrimmage, you know, motioning, have him, have him running every route in the route tree if you can. Have him going through the slot. But can you, but can you truly But can you truly say that even though the Cowboys won last week, we it's still like a Jekyll and Hyde type of feel with the Cowboys because we've seen this throughout the season of, damn, they can look really good one week, then the next week 
they're not the same team. Do you think consistently the Cowboys will be the same team that they were last week? Or will it be a drop-off against a better team? I'll say with the defense, yes. I think the defense can be consistent to where they can shake up Brock Purdy to where he's like, oh, shit, I don't know what to do um, because I, I barely have time to release the ball. But when it comes to offense, Dak is somebody I'm like, okay, he just had the game of his career last week, but he could throw two picks this week. So that's the only thing I'm worried about with the Cowboys offensively. Are they going to stick to the run game and just let Dak shine when needed? But with the defense, I ain't too worried about it. I'm I'm sure Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence and the boys, they're going to find a way to get to Purdy. It's just can Purdy and that Niners offense be quick enough and have enough trick plays up their sleeves to where they get the ball out quick and still can get yards after the catch. There will be two keys and X factors to this game. It will be the Cowboys defensive line, because if they can get in Brock Purdy's face, something that Brock Purdy hasn't seen a lot of is pressure in his face. Because first mm-hmm. of all, San Francisco's offensive line is one of the best in the NFL. So they really don't have any pressure. And he has so many weapons. So he gets the ball out of his hands quick and he doesn't have anybody in his face. If they can put pressure in his face, if Micah Parsons can create a lot of chaos in the backfield, Demarcus Lawrence, all them boys, I think we can see a totally different outcome than what we're expecting at this moment. And another key factor will be Christian McCaffrey. I think a hole in that Dallas defense is running. You can run right at them. That was something the Bucs did not do enough. And that's something I wanted to talk about when we talked about the Bucs game. They did not run the ball enough. And that's where you actually beat the Cowboys. You don't want to drop back 50 times against the Cowboys because they have an elite pass rush and they have a solid secondary, especially they have one of the best corners in the game in Trayvon Diggs. You don't want to drop back 50 times, but you can run at those front fours because it's more so skinny defensive uh, linemen and you got like skinny linebackers that you can really run at. They're more so pass linebackers. I think mm. that's what San Francisco is going to do. That's already what they uh, hang their hat on anyway with McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell. They also have Debo Samuel in the run game. That will be the key factor in who wins this game. Will you drop back 50 times or will you really uh, hammer your head on running the ball and defeating the Cowboys in that fashion? I think San Francisco runs the ball 35 times this weekend and really demoralize the Cowboys in their chances. I think I'm not worried about San Francisco defense. I don't think they're going to give up that many points. Oh, yeah, I ain't worried about them. No matter what I've seen from the Cowboys last week, this is a completely different defense. Obviously, a a better defensive line. Nick Bosa, one of the best in the league, could be defensive player of the year. But the what type of style we're going to get from the Niners offense is going to determine who wins this game. Are you going to drop back 50 times or are you going to run the ball? I think that determines the game. But I've got running the brawl and the Niners winning. And who you got for this game? Uh, Niners, uh, I ain't going to give a score for this one. You said no score? <laughs> yeah, I ain't going to give a no score. What you got, a blowout or what? You ain't got no blowout or you got uh, close No, nah, no, nah, ain't, ain't going to be no blowout. Nah. Okay. Because it's currently a three-and-a-half point spread. This is the closest game of all of the playoff games this weekend. This is a three-and-a-half point spread going in the Niners' direction. But like I said, it's going to be closer than what a lot of people expect. And... That is it for the NFL topics. Moving on to WNBA, one of the greats, one of the greatest uh, women's players of all time, Maya Moore, ended up retiring this past weekend. I mean, she's been out of the league for the past three years when she uh, had her, uh, I forgot what my man's name was, but he free, she freed uh, 
somebody who was in jail uh, incorrectly because they, what do they call that shit, bro? What's the word for it? Um, it's a word for it. You go to jail. Inju- not injustice. Injustice. But, um, yeah, 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 yeah. It was an injustice. It's basically an injustice. It, it's another word. Yeah, I know. I know the word you're thinking of. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's a word I'm thinking about. God damn. Damn, I'm, I'm blanking on. I know it. what but, you're talking about. I know. What you're yeah, about. yeah. She basically <laughs> became an activist the past few years. I mean, she has kids now, so it was looking like she wasn't going to come back to the NBA. But she just officially retired this weekend, and it hurt my heart so much because. She is one of the reasons why I love WNBA to this day. I don't watch it anymore because she's not playing. <laughs> so I feel like one of my one of my reasons for watching the WNBA just left. But she's one of the greatest women's players or greatest players, basketball players I've ever seen in my life. Just going back to high school, uh, UConn days, what she did with the Minnesota Lynx. She is a champion in every sense of the word. I think she goes down to one of the greatest to ever play the game of basketball. I love seeing her play. She was somebody who was a monster every time she stepped on the court. And I feel like people forget how dominant she was because she was on such a WNBA team that had so much talent on the time. They won like four WNBA championships. So she didn't get lost in the mix because she was still one of the best players, but she didn't get her credit like I feel like she could have. She would have went to a lesser team and was the obvious uh, best player on the team. But I think she's one of the greatest who's ever played. I think her name should be up there with the Tarazis, the Sue Birds, everybody like that. Even though she, even though she didn't have the long career like they did, what she did in her seven, eight years playing is crazy. I mean, an MVP on her resume, an Olympic gold medalist. I mean, a four-time NBA champion. It's it's or it's so much that you can go down the list going back to high school and college winning as well. And she's one of the greatest I've ever seen, bro. So definitely salute to her. I definitely agree. Um, when we talk about hoops, I, I know most of us don't watch the WNBA, or even if we do watch, we don't watch it as much as NBA games. But man, it's a lot of legendary women when it, when we talk about hoopers for real. And Maya Moore has to be up there. Like Quincy said, the career wasn't as long as we would have wanted it. But damn, talk about somebody that accomplished so much in a shorter time span than her you know, contemporaries. So like Quincy said, just to list off her accomplishments, 2011, she was rookie of the year. She's a four-time WNBA champion. She was the 2013 WNBA finals MVP. She's a six-time WNBA all-star and she's a three-time all-star game MVP. So like, bro, just doing, having the career that you had on the court and then making the impact that you have off the um, court with the social injustice platform that you've taken, you know, with freeing people who are wrongly imprisoned and, and then being a, a family um, person on top of that with having kids and whatnot, just to have it at your leisure to just say, I'm not going to play anymore. When you probably could get out here and still at least get, you know, about 10, 12 points a game and being contributed to the team. Like that's just a testament to how much, you can still contribute if you wanted to. So shout out to Maya Moore for the time that you did give us and the um the excitement that we were able to watch with you. We will have to say your name when we talk about the greats, even 15, 20 years from now. And it's crazy because we're in such a new area, a new era of WNBA now. I mean, Tarazi's at the back end, Sue Bird just retired. I mean, Maya Moore, all of the people I feel like I grew up with watching WNBA are starting to transition out at this point. So we have so many new people in the NBA with uh, Sabrina Ionescu, 
Natasha mm-hmm. Cloud, you know what I'm saying? Elena Deladon, Brianna uh, Stewart. It's so much new talent in the league right now, bro. Or uh, Asia, Asia Stewart. Uh, so it's so many new people in this league, but we have to remember what those those older people gave to this game and pushing the WNBA forward to what it is right now, bro. So definitely salute to the legends that are transitioning out and salute to the new ones that we getting in this uh, WNBA. And moving forward to Two Wild Wednesday. What you got for this week? Uh, so the first one I have, if the 49ers win the Super Bowl, Brock Purdy will be the starter next year. Too wild or not too wild? It's funny. I was just having this conversation with my, my neighbor, bro. I said, if he wins the Super Bowl, yes. If he loses in the Super Bowl or if he loses in the NFC Championship game, no. Because I think it, lo- it leaves an error, it leaves an a opportunity there where it's like you can improve with something. So if you bring in somebody like a Tom Brady, boom, you, you obviously elevate to the next level. Even though Brock Purdy is playing at this type of level, bringing in that level of experience with somebody like a Tom Brady who could be his replacement, that's something that it obviously raises this team to the next level. I don't care what Tom did this year. With this level of talent on San Francisco, he doesn't have to put as much on his shoulders as I think he had to this past season with Tampa Bay. I think Tom is the keto. If you don't get, if they don't get Tom, I still think he can be the starter next year. But I think if he loses in the NFC Championship or in the uh, Super Bowl, I think Tom is coming. Uh, so I, I get your point. It's like, if he loses, even if it ain't his fault, why they lose, it leaves room for error. It leaves room for error because, like, okay, somebody, we could have get somebody in here to put us on the next level. Because he's still a seventh-round pick uh, at the end of the day. So even though right. he's exceeding expectation at this point, it's always going to be a certain ceiling where, okay, you're not going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But if you can bring in somebody like Tom Brady, who's obviously got the experience, he's probably not one of the best quarterbacks in the league like he was in the past years, but he's definitely somebody who is still consistent to this point. I would take that upgrade, especially with this level of talent around him. True. I agree. Not too wild. If they win, he's definitely in consideration, what, at least. But what did we talk about earlier in the season? I told you that Trey Lance is cooked in San Fran, bro. They're trading Trey Lance in the offseason. That's why I say if they don't bring in Tom, I, I still think Purdy can be the starter next year. I think they're going to trade Jimmy G, and I think yep. they're going to trade Trey Lance, and they're going to bring in somebody else as the backup. I still think Tom Brady is the like the first thing on their mind if anything does happen, but I think Trey Lance isn't uh, Kyle Shanahan's guy. That's not the type of quarterback that he usually plays with. Uh, Trey Lance is more of like a dual-threat quarterback. And Kyle Shanahan loves the Matt Ryan types, the stand in the pocket, make every throw type of quarterback. And that's something that Trey Lance is not at this point in his career. He likes people mm-hmm. more like a Brock Purdy, Jimmy Garoppolo, and that's not what Trey Lance is. So I think Trey Lance is gone this year too. Mm-hmm. You got it. Uh, My next one. Uh, Hmm. Which one I want to do? Bohan Bogdanovich should go to the Bucks or the Pelicans. Hmm. Boy, I've been having a hell of a season for Detroit. I want the Heat to get him too, and I'm hearing that his asking price—not his asking price, but the Pistons' asking price—is like a first-round pick and some salary to obviously match his. So obviously, he's raised his play since getting traded from the the Jazz this past offseason. Hmm. The Bucks or the Pelicans, huh? Or if you have a other, you could say a other. But I thought those were two good teams to. I heard a trade about him going to LA. 
I don't want to be that guy that puts everybody on the Lakers, but if they can end up getting him, and I'm hearing this, it was somebody else for the Pistons, bro. It was it was Bogdanovich and Nerlens Noel, the center for mm. the, the Pistons as well. It was a trade. I think they were trading away Pat Bev, Lonnie Walker, and uh, a pick. I think I saw that. I think I saw yeah. that. Yeah. And it was for Bojan Bogdanovich, and it was from Nerlens Nor- mm-hmm. Noel. If you yep. add Bron AD, Bojan, how he's playing this year and his big shot making abilities, that Lakers team goes to another level. He is that type of player that can take a contending team from like average to like next level. Like he's a 20 point per game scorer. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's for the Pistons. The Pistons aren't a good team, but he's a good player. I mean, he was on the number one Jazz last year and he was still putting up 18, 19 a game. Like he's that good of a player. And, and, and he's, he's consistent. He's consistent and durable. Yeah, and he's good come playoff time. He has a playoff track record where he's good in the playoffs as well, so you don't have to worry about a drop-off. So if a team like the Lakers can get him, I think he fits more with the Pelicans more than the Bucks. That's what I was thinking, too. I was thinking about the Pelicans. I I like him more with the Pelicans than the Bucks, but I like him with L.A. I do like him with the Lakers, though. In my heat, obviously, but we're not gonna get him because we're trash. But yeah. <laughs> we're we're just waiting for Braun at this point. <laughs> I was definitely thinking of the Pelicans. I think that'll be a perfect fit with Ingram and Zion. Um, and uh, what's your boy name? Uh, McCullum. I, mm-hmm. I think that'll I think that'll just be a, a perfect fit, and I think that will be the one piece that they're just missing to where people have to literally fear the Pelicans. They already kind of scared of them. But to really yeah. fear the Pelicans, I feel like that would be a perfect move. And and think about that starting lineup, bro. If you were to have, excuse me, CJ McCollum, I don't know when Brandon Ingram was coming back. And honestly, that is a huge concern because nigga didn't play since like the first month of the season. But yeah. when he eventually comes back, you got him, you got McCollum, Brandon Ingram, you're gonna have Bogdan, you're gonna have <laughs> you're gonna have Zion, and you gonna have like Valanciunas probably, or you could put Zion as a small ball five. Start Herb Jones, who's your best defender, and then go Bojan, B.I., and McCullough. Like, that's a crazy-ass team. Offensively, (laughs) offensively, that team is crazy, bro. Offensively, that team is crazy. And they got dogs on defense. So if you want to switch out that offensive talent and go with defense, you can put in Jose Alvarado. You can put in Trey Murphy. You can put in Herb Jones, where even when we're getting gashed offensively because McCullough and Zion are not good defenders, we have defenders on this team to plug in those type of holes. So. That team would be scary if they were somehow getting him, bro. I think Alvarado, bro, he's a more efficient Pat Bev. He's he a way better offensive every... player, too. He's a way better exactly. offensive player. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. He He's a lot more efficient. He gets mm-hmm. on everyone's nerves like a Pat Bev, but he can also score. So it's mm-hmm. not like, it's not like, hey, Pat Bev is aggravating everybody, and it's like, eh, outside of defense, what are you doing for real, other than mm-hmm. getting in the way? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Yeah, the Pelicans. I still like the Pelicans, bro. But I can I can say all this, but it's still that team and the Golden State Warriors where it's like it's gonna be the mm. So it's like you can add all this talent, <laughs> but you still gotta go through Golden State, bro. I think because currently, where is Golden State? I think they're currently sixth in the Western Conference. They moved yeah. up over this past week. So, like mm-hmm. I said, it's so jumbled in the Western Conference, so you can move up the rankings pretty easily. They're currently sixth, and they're only uh. So they're four games back of the Pelicans, but they're a one and a half games back from the Mavericks who are in fifth place. So they're back in sixth position. They were out of the playoff race for a long period of time, but the Warriors are back, man. They're looming once again. <laughs> once again, they're looming. 
Uh, my next one, the Buccaneers should make a move for Justin Fields. Too wild or not too wild? What, who told you this? Where did you get this report from, bro? Where did you get this? From? I feel like somebody told you this and you talked about this with somebody. Because they know what nah. you just thought about, like, you just gonna grab the one, the best player off a team and say, "Yeah, let's bring him here." It's no way you thought about this. I did. I promise to God. <laughs> too wild, man! Wow, how's that too wild? How's that too wild? What? What bro. do you mean? Like, how y'all gonna get Fields? Fields is the only good thing in Chicago right now. There's no way they're not gonna get him. Who has the number one pick in the draft? The Bears. Who they're not, the they're not getting rid. They're not really, They're not getting rid of Fields, bro. Who will be the number they're one not, quarterback draft? Who will be the number one quarterback <laughs> draft no, in bro. the draft this year, bro? I'm not letting you Just do think that. Think about bro. it. I see Just what you're saying, but nah. I see what you're you saying. You trade but, off. You're not losing any money with trade. Everybody, just listen to me. Everybody, <laughs> if you trade off Justin Fields, you're not losing any money. He's still on his rookie contract. He has what two years left. So if on the Bucks end, you're like, damn, we ain't even really got to pay him much. And then if you're the Bears, we ain't really losing shit. And we got the number one pick anyway. We can get Bryce Young, who is damn near the same as Justin Fields. Justin Fields is just a little bit taller and a little bit bulkier. That's it. If you're the Bears, you're not losing in this situation. You're not going to do anything else with your other picks. You might as well just get another franchise quarterback. And you can get more picks from the Bucks. Come on, bro. It could work, bro. Nobody this has is, thought this of is, this shit yet. This it is, can this work. Is what, this is what's going to happen, bro. The Bears are not taking... Bryce Young, number one. I don't even think they're going to end up picking number one. I think they're going to trade back with the Colts. I think the Colts are going to trade up to number one and get either Stroud or Bryce Young. And they, they're they going to get a, a king's ransom of picks from the Colts. And they're going to stick with Justin Fields. And they're going to just add to the draft capital that they have. Why, why I I they're, they're, they're why good. They're good. They're good <laughs> with Justin Fields, bro. I see where you're going with that. Because I'm I've been hearing that a little bit like, if you're not fully in on Justin Fields, like, okay, you do have this option right here of being the number one pick. Like, if you're not fully in on Fields, but I think they're fully in on Fields after this past season. If that nigga played trash this year, I, I would have understood. But he played pretty I good. Just, I just want everybody to realize I said this first. <laughs> if you see any report about Tampa Bay going after Justin Fields, you got to be like, damn, that nigga Edgar did just say that, though. <laughs> Oh, that's all I'm saying. It ain't crazy when you really think about it. It ain't crazy. And the, the thing about the Bucks, and obviously we talked about it being the end of the era, like where do the Bucks go from here, truthfully? Because now you just saying anybody, like let's go ahead and get fields, but they have no backup plan. I know you like well, trash, but I like it's trash. nothing else. Hey, this no we don't have enough money for Lamar. Um, I personally don't want Aaron Rodgers. And he he's he has too much money tied with Green Bay. Green Bay is not mm -hmm. gonna let him walk out the door. That's too much money to let him walk out. Derek Carr. Uh, That's probably who y'all gonna end up with. No bullshit. That's probably who y'all finna end up with. I wouldn't Truthfully. I wouldn't be mad at Derek Carr, but it's like we could have did so much better. But I'll be grateful. I'll be yeah. grateful if Derek Carr comes. <laughs> but I, I'm in on Trask, bro. The Justin Fields idea when I was just thinking about it and scrolling through the possibilities, Justin Fields just screamed out to me because I'm like, damn, that shit could work. But I'm in on Trask. Kyle Trask, number two. I got my jersey already. Let's just get a let's give him a try, bro. Let's just do it. Cause we're already damn near in a rebuild anyway. I don't Amazing. think Tom Brady is coming back. Even though um it's been reports that the Bucks want Brady to come back, 
I don't think we've proved to Brady that we deserve him to come back. But I'm I'm grateful, and I'm sure the Bucks are grateful for the time in the Super Bowl ring that he did give us. But hey, we in a rebuild now at this point. I'm comfortable with saying that as a fan. So we got our Super Bowl recently. Okay, now it's time to build up a young core to mix in with some of the vets that we have. Because like Quincy said earlier, it's some vets that I would not be surprised end up walking after this season. So mm-hmm. let, let's just do what it do. If we can't make a big name um, come over here quarterback-wise, I say let's just go with Trask. He's been sitting behind Brady for, what, two, almost three seasons now. So let's see what he can do in a full regular season at this point. We drafted him for a reason. You know who y'all might end up with, bro? Who? Anthony Richardson. <laughs> y'all might end up with Anthony Richardson ass. Don't y'all have a first round pick? Don't y'all y'all might... <laughs> Hey, why? you no no no. You know you why know I'm you not an Anthony. You know you know I'm not an Anthony why, Richardson. Why would, fan. why would you change like, <laughs> Why would you do that? I don't I don't but want I, another Florida I, I keep, QB room. I, I keep <laughs> I keep seeing his name pop up in first round talks and y'all might be the team that takes him. Y'all I don't know why be- he's in first round talks, bro. I don't know why. I don't know why. Y'all might take Anthony Richardson at the end of the day. Hometown kid stays in Florida. That's a good story. Definitely a good story. If we end up with another Florida quarterback <laughs> room, I'm gonna be pissed. I'm gonna be pissed. It's gonna make me. That's so hilarious, bro. It, it wouldn't even make sense to draft Richardson because we don't even know what we got with Traskin. That's what I'm saying, bro. If if we don't make a free agent move. For or or a trade, That's what I it's mostly going to be free agent. Yeah, for um for a big name quarterback, I think we should just go with what we got. Just go with trash. I do not want um what's his face out there on the goddamn field. I'm tired of it. He need to go on on and retire just like Brady. I I just want trash. That's the Are only person I want to trust. Yes, Blaine Gabbert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think and, the Bucks go to the, the the veteran quarterback option. Either Garoppolo or Derek Carr coming this week or mm-hmm. next season. True. And my last one, the Grizzlies should be the favorites in the West for the NBA Finals. Over this last 10-game stretch, the Grizzlies are 10-0. and 0. They've been beating pretty good teams, and they've been looking solid defensively, too. And Ja, I told y'all before the season started, that's my MVP. That boy making posters of everybody right now. And he's staying healthy. So I'm like, come on now. I know Denver is the number one seed. But if you don't just no Memphis record, number one, Memphis number one, Memphis number one. Now I thought Denver was mm-hmm. still number one. Okay, but hey, that proves my point even more. I know Denver is the team though that everybody been saying, hey, that looks like the team that could do it this year. I'm telling y'all, the Grizzlies are here, bro. I'm, I'm telling y'all right now before the playoffs get here. Don't be surprised if the Grizzlies is where everybody got to go through to get to the chip, bro. That's all I'm saying. Is that I'm gonna say something? I'm gonna say something that's very unpopular, bro. I would say too wild because I, I once again I have to go back to that other team in San Francisco <laughs> of the by the Warriors. You still got to go through the Warriors, so I don't think so. I don't think they're the favorite, but I think they're going to be there at the end of the day. But one thing about the Memphis Grizzlies, if they want to get past the Warriors, Jaw, oh, this is going to be some really unpopular shit. I promise to God it is. Jaw cannot be the best player. It has to be Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain has more success 
that translates to winning against the Warriors. And this thing about which I could just give up the example of last year when Jaw got hurt, even though Jaw can put up numbers against the Warriors, it doesn't translate to winning. But when Jaw got hurt and they ended up winning game five without him, it was because Desmond Bain and the team came together because defensively they had nobody to pick on. And Desmond Bain's improvement this season and his overall playmaking and scoring ability, he's not just a three-point shooter. He can create off the dribble. I think Desmond Bain has to be like a 1B2 jaw in that type of situation if they see the Warriors again in the playoffs. It can't be Ja clearly number one and it's the rest of the crew. It has to be Desmond Bain clearly, either whether he's number one, number one, or he's right there with Ja. They have to have two true compliments to beat the, the Warriors. You're not just going to beat the Warriors with Ja. I don't think that will ever be the recipe to winning with just Ja mm -hmm. and everybody else. Somebody else has to step sure. up. And I think mm -hmm. Desmond Bain, with how his how he's improved this season, Desmond Bain will be that player, whether he's the best player. That's why I say it's kind of weird. I don't want to say best player because obviously Ja is the best player. The, the most has, effective player. He has to, he be, the has to be the most. Player. That's a good point. He has to be the most effective player, bro, where the ball just can't be in Ja's hands the whole game, and we know what to expect. You have to pop, mm -hmm. uh, move the ball around. And I think Bain is going to be that player that steps up huge when we get that series. I think we're going to get that series this season. But Bain it's is like going to be a player with, um, a huge part. It's like with, uh, what you call it? Um, damn, what team was I just thinking of? It's kind of like the Bucks. It's like, yes, Giannis is the best player on the Bucks, but the ball cannot be in Giannis's hands for him to be as effective as you need him to be. And it's the same thing with, um, with the Grizzlies. I totally agree. Although Ja plays point, and he's the officiator of that team, he has to become more of a facilitator when it comes down to it to make Desmond Bain a lot more effective. So I, I agree with that. Ja can't be the only person that you're scared of on this team. The exactly. Warriors and the Nuggets and uh, even like the Mavericks with Luka, they, be, they have to be able to look at somebody else and say, hey, we can't let him score. So I, I totally agree with that. I I'll say because, I, I still say not too wild for the poll, but mm -hmm. I totally agree with your point. Because last year it was Ja and the Pips, basically. It was Ja obviously was the front man and everybody else behind him. But with how much Desmond Bain has improved, bro. If you guys have truly been watching the Grizzlies, he's not the same player he was even last year. Like this right. dude has improved to another level. Like I think he's in that most improved conversation with how his overall game has improved. I still think Ja's defense is something else that has to be a talking point. Will that ever improve? I don't know, but I think that's something that he's always going to consistently get picked on in a playoff matchup because his defense just isn't there. When the rest of the team's defense is, that's always going to be a thing. But Desmond well, it's Bain... Like that with Kyrie. Oh, it's like that with Kyrie. But the thing about Kyrie, I don't think Kyrie's as much as a turntable as Ja. I think Ty Kyrie, especially in that series when he was with the Cavaliers, when he was in the finals against like Steph, Kyrie can hold his own defensively He's just not going to play like that every game. He only plays like that in like big games. Like I'm only going to play defense in big games. I'm not going to play defense against like the Oklahoma City Thunder, nigga. Like I'm going to let them niggas do whatever. <laughs> but I'm going to play defense when we're playing the Warriors or the Celtics or some shit like that. So I think Kyrie's a different thing. I don't think Ja has that switch where he can turn it on and off and be a, at least the average defender. I think he's just the overall bad defender at this point. So the Warriors can take advantage of that. But Bane stepping up offensively will be huge for them competing with the Warriors. All right, yeah. and that's it for two hours. Yeah, there was some good polls this week. Was yeah, that good. was some good shit. All right, and moving on to social media wants to know. We got 
Could you stay in the house for five weeks and not look out for 25K? Yeah, so I saw this debate on Twitter, and I was like, this has to be one of the easiest questions of all time. You mean to tell me all I got to do is stay inside? That means I can live comfortably. I can have my AC on. I can, I got water. I got food. I got, I got everything. I can have people bring food to me upstairs and whatnot. All I got to do is not look out the blinds for five weeks. I can do that. For 25K? Don't worry about it. I can do that. No problem. I can take off of work. And I'll I'll make more than half of my salary. Like that that's crazy as hell. Like I, I thought this was a debate that was pretty funny. Anybody who said no, I'm looking at you like y'all ain't trying to make no money for real. Bro, you you got you ain't thinking about it for real. You know how depressing that shit is. Not looking at the window, not seeing anything else, just seeing the inside of your house. Like, bro, think about on a normal basis how much you just stay inside. You never stay inside your house usually for the whole day. So think about doing that for five weeks in a row. You're not leaving your house. You're not looking out of the window. You're just in your house five weeks. That shit can get depressing. That shit could fuck with you mentally. And I think that plays a part in why a lot of people couldn't make it through that whole five weeks and not look out the window. That shit will fuck with you mentally. That's why uh, I think about Seattle and like Alaska, for example, like where it's so gloomy all the time. Even though you can look outside, just like that feeling of not getting the the vitamin C or vitamin D from the sun, I think that plays a part in people's minds. So you have to get that, mm. that part, you know what I'm saying, in your life. So for five weeks, you're just in the crib. Yeah, people can come in and out of your house, but you want to go outside, or you want to experience some shit outside. <laughs> you're in, you can't even look outside to see what other niggas doing and be nosy. You just got to <laughs> be in the whole time. Like, that shit will fuck with you. I could not make it five weeks and just be in the house. I couldn't. I, I couldn't, ain't going to lie. It would be hard for me at first somebody who i just randomly look out the blinds all the damn time for no reason i'll just be i'll be walking around the house just pacing on my phone i'll just look at the blinds like oh, oh okay and then i'll just go by my business so i'll probably lose in the first week and it, and it would fuck with you more because now you have money on the line now so now you know you yeah. can't look out the blinds which makes you want to look out the blinds even more exactly so, now i feel like i'm gonna miss it exactly <laughs> exactly bro and you go out way more than me bro you're somebody who i'm like i'm a homebody bro i stay home most of the time so like a day of not going outside that's like i'm honestly cool with i'm just uh, watching shows or whatever but somebody like you not going outside doing whatever i feel like you 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 wouldn't make it fine mm, you wouldn't make it fine <laughs> yeah you wouldn't make it fine you wouldn't make it crazy i can make it a day i can damn sure can't make it five weeks i could do a week i could do a week minimum i don't know I can do a week. I ain't worried about it. <laughs> I can do a week. I ain't worried about it. <laughs> Damn. What did they get? Was this a competition or something? Is this what a poll came from? I don't even know. I just saw this on Twitter. I just somebody oh. I saw somebody ask this on Twitter and I was like, just some random ass shit. But I saw everybody's opinions. And I'm like, it shouldn't be that hard. You just in the crib. Uh five. Weeks. I ain't think about it like you said. I ain't yeah. really dive into the context of like bro you will be cut off from society basically <laughs> basically like, that's why i said you can have people come into your career but you still want to like experience outside life you know what i'm saying so that shit would definitely fuck with you damn All right. i'll say nah i can't do it then I, <laughs> i'll say my opinion. i can't do it i can't do it i can't yeah yeah nah. and uh moving on to if you miss jury duty would you rather be locked up 30 days or write a 30 page essay yeah, so this happened because one of the jury members of the Young Thug case that is on the Young Thug trial that is going on right now, 
they did not show up for one of their jury duty days because I think they had to they had to do work outside of the country for a couple of days. And when they came back, they um they faced some disciplinary words from the judge, and the judge said you will either have to do um thirty days um locked up. I don't remember if he said jail or prison, but you would mm-hmm. have to do a thirty day sentence, or you can write a thirty page essay on how missing jury duty can be negative in the justice mm-hmm. system when it comes to um when it comes to cases and trials and it had to be um um double spaced and it had to be cited and this had to be numbered this lady had to do a whole um school assignment basically or 30 days with the door closing behind you i ain't gonna lie y'all I'm doing them goddamn 30 days. Oh, you doing it what? I'm hell no, bro. I'm doing them 30 doing days. 30 day. I'm not doing 30 days, bro. No I cannot do I can't do Ain't 30 no days. You rather do 30, bro. You rather be 30 days and rather get your butt taken than get do a, a 30 page. You're assuming. You're assuming. <laughs> you're I'm just saying that's the, that's the thing that potentially can go down in the jailhouse. Like I'm not built for jail, bro. I'm not built for you're jail. You're assuming the worst. I'm like you're Tom when it comes to jail. I'm scared of being anally raped, so I don't want to be near a jail cell. I'm like Tom. Hell no, bro. I'd rather do that 30 page essay and stay far away from that. Give me those 30 days. I don't give a <laughs> damn. And she had to do it in a certain time period. It's not like she just had to do 30 pages and just turn it in before the trial over. It's like she had to do it in like I think less than two weeks or something like that. I'd have mm-hmm. been like, oh nah, bro. Here you go. That's this is just cool. take, <laughs> take me, take me to Marcel right now because I'm doing these damn 30 days. What's the what's the longest paper or assignment you had to do for a class? Damn, good question. Um, I ain't never had no crazy shit like 30 Me pages. neither. Um, I, honestly, I know a lot of people. I know 10-page essay is probably- I was going to say standard. 10 to 12 pages. That's probably- I, I, I didn't even done. have to- I was a, a, a journal, not journalism, but I was a broadcast media major. I never had to write 10 pages. It was mm. really like always 2,500, 3,000 words, but it was always like five, six pages type shit. True, true. I, I, I never think had 10 to pages is the worst, but it wasn't for one of my- um one of my broadcast classes. It was mm-hmm. honestly one of, for one of like, I think it was like psychology or something. Yeah, shit. they did have some shit for psychology. Yeah, yeah I had to write mm-hmm. like a 10-page paper for psychology and that shit had to be on source. That had to be, cit- there had to be citations. Yeah, I had to do it on turn it in so that way they could check for plagiarism and all, bro. I hate that shit aggravated in me. But th- this oh, is what I'm saying. When it came to like the long papers for me, when somebody would ask me to do like a long paper, like seven, six, seven pages, a lot of my shit would be nothing but like I put my opinion in here and there, but a lot of that shit would be long ass quotes just taking up space so I can get to the next page. <laughs> like I, I swear to God, I'll be copy and paste. I'll read some shit, copy and paste it, put it into my uh, my shit, write my opinion after. I'm basically summarizing the quote basically, and then <laughs> and then write uh, put in another quote. So that's how you get more pages. But she has to do this at like an extreme level to get to thirty pages. Oh yeah, it's yeah, no sure. way. You can get the thirty pages, bro. It's no way. And what was the what was she, the topic? What was the topic? Uh, she had to write how missing jury duty can like negatively affect the justice system and shit like that. It's no way you're getting and pages, bro. Had to have a minimum. No, this is how she gonna get the. She gotta have a minimum of ten to twelve sources, if I'm not mistaken. They tell her how many sources she need. <laughs> what the fuck? 
That's not that's nuts. That's, that's what nuts. I'm saying. You ain't you even gonna have, let me write the paper myself. Yeah. You gotta have 10 to 12 sources. It has to be cited, it has to be numbered, it has to be double spaced. I'm like, bro, give me them day of 30 days. What did she do? <laughs> Is this a he or a she? She. What did she do to be a contempt of court anyway to have this type of decision? I have no idea. She she just missed it. She missed the jury duty. Oh, she duty missed day. court. Got you. Yeah. Got you. Got you. Got you. She missed jury duty. Okay, I get it. I, I, I don't. Understand. It was it was because she went to work, and I, I believe it said she had to work out of the country for like a couple of days or something like that. Really? So, but you know, like when it comes to jury duty, they don't they don't give yeah a fuck. they don't give a fuck. yeah. <laughs> Damn. Now I'm finding a way to do thirty pages. It's no way I'm getting my ass in a jail cell for now. Nah. <laughs> For 30 days, that's a long ass time. That's going to be the longest month of your life, bro. It's no way I'm going to be in that bit 30 days. I'm doing Hell 30 no. days to the door. Y'all Hell no, my nigga. Niggas going to try to shake me. Free anger. Hell no, nah, bro. You're, you're, you're thinking you're going to be in the worst prison situation <laughs> You could be somewhere where the prison is actually not that bad. Low, very low level. Them niggas feed you and all that. I don't know, bro. I still wouldn't risk it, though. Because like I said, even if I wasn't getting annually raped or getting shanked, like still the type of food, like I'm not built for that type of environment, bro. Being around them type of niggas, nah, bro, I'm cool on it. 30 pages, hey, I'll be in the room cooking it up. I'll be in the room cooking it up. I'll definitely, hey, that, and that's going to be your motivation too. Because I'm assuming if she doesn't turn in this paper, she's going to have to do the 30 days. So it's like, hey, my motivation for to be to stay out of jail. So I'm going to find them sources for sure. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna make up some shit, make up a source. Oh, yep. shit. Yeah, boy, that's nice. That, that shit was wild, bro. I was like, a 30 page essay. No, nah, because I seen this report too. I seen this report about the uh, her having that decision. That's crazy. 30 pages is crazy. Oh, shit. That's, that's funny shit. as hell to me, dog. Oh, my God, that's funny. All right, man. And moving on to entertainment and current events, we got the Waffle House sandwich, a TikTok. See, I, th- this is what my problem come in at. Because I've been telling people for the longest that it's okay to eat Waffle House when you sober. It's okay to eat Waffle House in the daytime. Yeah. Like, Waffle is. House is a breakfast. Who made that a thing? Who made that a thing? About it, you don't have to be intoxicated. Like, who said this? I, I don't know. Whoever the <laughs> hell is the spokesperson for social media <laughs> opinions, I guess. Because everybody been telling me, Nah, I ain't eating Waffle House unless I'm drunk or unless it's after the club or something. And then all of a sudden, a TikTok comes out that says, y'all should try. First the hell off, the Waffle House sandwich ain't nothing but the damn all-star special all smashed together. I need y'all to stop making delicacies of what we already fucking got. That's pissing me off for one. And then two, it's like, why are y'all doing this to these Waffle House workers? They've had the same menu for damn near 70 years. They are not giving you anything new. That Waffle House menu was the same when I was five as it is now. Nothing has changed. They only got three menus. They got the regular menu. They got the menu where there's like a, a storm situation going yeah, on. I've seen I think that. they mm-hmm. got a menu in case something run out. That's the mm-hmm. only shit you're going to get. That's the only variety Waffle House will ever give you. Mm-hmm. So it's just funny how... Now it's okay to eat Waffle House during the daytime when you're sober because TikTok <laughs> says so. When I've been saying it, you eat Waffle House when you're sober? You go just to actually eat the food? Yes. What the hell else am I going That for? shit is crazy, bro. Because I've, I've seen somebody say that during this whole TikTok race. And I'm like, y'all was only doing it while y'all was drunk and shit? I'm like, me and my mom was going on the reg to Waffle House on just to regular, eat. Regular. You know what I'm saying? Regular, bro. Come on, bro. Because y'all already know Waffle House is better than IHOP. 
That shouldn't Thank be you. unpopular at this point. Exactly. That should be very a popular opinion. Exactly. Waffle House is better than IHOP. So it's like, bro, what are we talking about with that shit? You had to be intoxicated. But I agree, bro. Y'all putting those workers through too much bullshit, bro. Y'all, this feel like that Popeye situation. Remember when Popeye was going crazy with that chicken sandwich? <laughs> it's not as crazy because, nigga, they had the whole black community in them goddamn lines. But I'm telling you, I feel like everybody is in on this one, though. It's just not black people. I feel like the white community, black yeah, people, everybody, everybody is in, in Waffle House trying to get this new sandwich. And like you said, it's nothing special about it. You just have a waffle. Had, I think the waffle has eggs, bacon, what a cheese, I think, is in uh, there, I think. And sausage. And sausage. Mm. So I think you got to add on the sausage to the all-star special because I think you can only yeah, get bacon or so. sausage. So you got to add on yeah, that. Yeah. But it's still an all-star special. Y'all can make it yourself. They don't have to make it for you. And people getting upset because these Waffle House um, establishments are putting up signs on the door saying we're not making it. <laughs> I've seen that. It's yeah. literally, it's not a menu item. Like y'all can't get mad because they don't want to make it if it's not on the menu. If they do make it, okay, cool. They bended the rules for you. But if it's not something on the menu that they are kind of a block on obligated to make, they're not gonna do it. They don't have to do it. And I saw somebody say Waffle House ruined the opportunity for themselves to market this shit. They don't have commercials. What the <laughs> fuck are they marketing? Why this is, are we this is free marketing, honestly. This is free marketing for them. They're getting a hell of money right now. What is the motto we always say with Waffle House? The dope gonna sell itself. Mm-hmm. Every time, bro. Waffle House ain't worried about no damn marketing. This is a, this is a franchise that literally trains their... I don't care what y'all say. They train their employees to fight. I've never seen a Waffle House employee that don't know how to fight. They y'all seen that white girl a couple weeks ago? They smoke in between their breaks. Like, it, it's just... It's not an establishment that y'all think should be aesthetically marketed or whatever. The same reason Chinese restaurants don't be having no marketing. Like, you know Chinese places on the corner when you go, like, you get your food and you leave. They don't need commercials because they know, hey, our shit fire. Y'all finna come whether we got a commercial or not. So why waste that money on marketing? Stop acting like everybody got to have this, um, this you know, brand and image likeness or whatever. Because if Waffle House did try to market it, Y'all would then complain about the price because y'all was talking. Y'all gonna talk about I ain't paid no twelve dollars for no Waffle House sandwich. Y'all the ones that said they should market it. So mm-hmm. come on. But bro. this this once again shows you the power of TikTok, bro. What was that other trend that just came out recently, bro? Obviously the we had the thing. The, the, the Chipotle, the Chipotle thing with the quesadilla joint. Everybody was putting the vinaigrette on it. Everybody got that, and I think Chipotle had did the same thing. They was telling people we was out of the vinaigrette, we ain't making that for y'all because that's not a menu item. They were doing that at Chipotle too, but y'all mad at Waffle House for putting their foot down? Chipotle had did the same shit, bro. Nobody is trying to conform to these TikTok challenges just because y'all seen one person do it. Now the whole world want to do it. Now, no, these companies have a standard. There's certain ways to make things, and that's how they're going to stick to. Like, bro, niggas ain't gonna bend to what y'all want at all times, so. I ain't with that shit at all. But it just shows you the power of TikTok, though, bro. Because we had that conversation a couple of weeks ago when I posed the question, is TikTok getting dangerous to this point? Because people are just doing shit just because that's what they see. Like, Mm -hmm. it be people that don't go to Waffle House at the fuck all. They're like, I'm going to go try that Waffle House sandwich. It's like, you don't even eat Waffle House. You ain't never even tried to have Waffle House before. But all of a sudden, now you want a Waffle House sandwich. Like, like what? It it just doesn't make sense. And it's not just... Okay, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and with the Chipotle thing, they served quesadillas, 
But y'all be trying to trick out the quesadillas with adding this, adding this. They tell y'all we only put this and this in the quesadilla. We're not adding anything extra. This is all you finna get. So y'all are trying to either make them cook shit that they don't serve or y'all are trying to change shit that they're clearly telling y'all they're not changing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also the impact of having like the younger viewer because when everything was happening with like the Popeye's chicken sandwich, for example, that was more so like the older community, teenage community, whoever had cars, you driving up to Popeye's getting a chicken sandwich. But I think TikTok has the added benefit of having the younger kids too. So now the younger kids are asking their parents like, can we go to Waffle House? I want to try out this shit. I see it on TikTok now. So you're getting all of the younger community and the older community just squeezing in on Waffle House of all places. Waffle House already ain't that big, so they can't fit all y'all asses in that bitch anyway. <laughs> so y'all try to squeeze in and get this motherfucking sandwich. The shit ain't going to work. And it's some regular shit that you can always get. So y'all mad that they can't make it, but y'all can make it y'all selves. Like Eric said, y'all can just yourself. make it yourself. Niggas just be lazy and want to see what exactly how it was on TikTok. Just make it yourself, bro. Yeah, that, that shit crazy. Yeah, I don't know. And moving on to the uh, Stephen A. sparks a Rihanna versus Beyonce debate. So Stephen A. was on uh, somebody's show, Sherry. What's her name? Sherry show? Was it the Sherry uh, show? You know what I I'm saw talking about? The clip. I saw the clip. But I don't remember what show he was on. I yeah, he was it. on. Uh, I think it's a uh, Sherry show on uh, ABC. And he had an mm. interesting uh, comment when he ended up. Uh, I think he was asking about B- uh, Rihanna and her performance at the Super Bowl. She said, yeah, Beyonce is good, but she's not Beyonce. And I, that sparked a huge debate of like, why did you say that about uh, Rihanna? Because it's like, yeah, you can be Beyonce is the greatest. But why did you shade Rihanna in that way is what uh, sparking a lot of debate and a lot of backlash for Stephen A in that aspect? Because he's so used to that first take type of mentality when he's talking about athletes versus athletes. But in this Rihanna versus Beyonce debate, it can get touchy. Uh, I don't know. It's like I understand his point. I honestly think people are just being over dramatic, and honestly, I I think people are being over dramatic because one, these are two um black women entertainers, and you got to be real careful with how. As Stephen A, as somebody who's always controversial, who people always assume is being anti-black, you know, with a lot of situations, you got to be careful with that because one, this is a situation involving black women. And then two, like Quincy just said, these are entertainers, not athletes. So the whole comparison thing is not really that much of a of a big deal. Unless we're talking about rappers, rap is really where we do get competitive with, okay, who this person is better than this person or blah, blah, blah. But I didn't look at it that serious. Yeah, it was like, mm, that that was a strong take. But to- like, it got to the point where Stephen A has uh, made multiple tweets about it. He even apologized for the comment because he was getting that much heat for that comment. It, it was a pretty big deal for him, at least. I, I don't know. I I didn't see it as that big of a deal. I yeah. just looked at it like, oh, he he gave his opinion on the shit. It was some shit that if you said it around your family, if you said it around friends, it's like, okay, yeah, she's not Beyonce, but it's like she said it on such a huge platform. And I think it's the fact that she he was asked about Rihanna, so they it was an expectation. So just she, to bring up Beyonce was just exactly like, wow. exactly. Yeah. It felt like why are you bringing up Beyonce and why you feel like you were diminishing somebody's greatness. You know, saying putting greatness versus greatness, I think that was more so like, why did you do that? 
So he's putting out mm. a couple of tweets. He's even put out an apology video for what he's done. So. Yeah, I saw that apology video. Yeah, yeah. so it's a, it's a whole big deal. I agree with you. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but I think it's more so just what he's used to with first take. And he thought that shit mm-hmm. was cool, but especially with the show that he was on with all women and shit. So it's like women empowerment. You're supposed to be lifting up black women. So you tearing down one to lift up another one. It's like, that's but it was it was some women cheering in the audience when he no, because it's it's some truth to that statement. Now it's some truth to the it statement. It is. Now. Yeah. So it's like that. That's what I'm saying here, saying it's not that big of a deal. I think Stephen A's is one of those people that a lot of people love to hate at this point. To where it's like it doesn't. It really doesn't matter what he says. If he says anything even close to disrespectful, he's they're gonna eat him up in the comments. Like he's gonna get roasted in every type of commentary after he says whatever he says so mm. yep and moving on to the next topic we have the mlk statue backlash this shit is hilarious. so i'm sure a lot of you have <laughs> <laughs> have seen this statue by now but uh just to give you some background uh this is according to cnn they just posted this to well they posted it yesterday and updated the article today a new mom to MLK and Coretta Scott King sparks debate. And I'll just go ahead and read this on a quick article. Backlash ensued soon after a, mon- a monument meant to honor Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his wife Coretta Scott King's legacy in Boston was unveiled. The 20-foot tall, 40-foot wide, the Embrace statue was unveiled Friday where King gave a speech on April 23rd, 1965. <laughs> The statue was inspired by a photograph of King and Scott, um, of King and Coretta Scott King when they were hugging each other after the Nobel Peace Prize in '64. The art piece, designed by Brooklyn-based conceptual artist Hank Willis Thomas, who is a black dude, only features the couple's arms during the embrace and not their heads, which has sparked criticism and mockery online. While some people defended the sculpture. Others described it as hideous or disrespectful with social media user memes saying it resembled a sexual act. Hey, that's what I was about to come in here and say, bro. It looked like a nigga was going down on a female. But I just don't <laughs> like this shit at all, bro. I don't like, because when I first seen it, I on first glance, you don't know what this is. I didn't know yeah, if it was don't. arms. It looked so weird. It felt like some abstract art more so than it was just arms showing an embrace at all. So it just looked mm-hmm. weird anyway. So I don't like this shit at all, bro. I feel like if this was a white person, we would have seen their head and all that shit. Because I'm hearing all of the excuses for why they didn't put a head on him or Coretta Scott King. They're saying it would have been more money, this, that, the third. But this is Martin Luther King on Martin Luther King Day. Why are you saying unveiling arms on his, on his day? If this was a white man's day, if this was Christopher fucking Columbus, Y'all would have had that nigga whole fucking body in that bitch with a damn American flag because he, quote unquote, founded America and rode on a damn great blue sea. So I don't fuck with this shit at all, bro. Don't fuck with it. Uh, and this was in, this was in Boston of all places. This is in yeah, Boston, Boston of the all most places. racist city ever. So it, with, it just feels is, right. Yeah. Which is really iconic. I mean, <laughs> ironic. But I don't like it. But with art, I understand. I understand his. Um, uh, what am I trying to say? I understand what he was trying to capture with the artwork. I I don't like it. I don't think it looks good. But I understand what he was trying to capture. 
And he was trying to make it so abstract to where at first glance, you probably don't know what it is. But when you actually take a step back and actually look at it as a whole and really examine the art, you see the arms embracing each other. So I think the idea is cool. It, it's just the actual the actual statue itself just didn't come out how we thought it should have came out. Like, look out. at this. Is this not is this not a nigga giving girl head? Like, look at this. Look at it, this it pose. Is. This it shit is. crazy. This is crazy, it looks, bro. It look like, this is crazy. He look like, um, remember Melvin <laughs> on Baby Boy? He look like Melvin right now. Lifting up This Jody is Mama. crazy, bro. And That's this is wild. What, this is what we have to show for MLK on his day. I, I'd rather you not put up anything than to do what you just did with this. Because what, what, what was wrong with just showing him appreciation than doing this bullshit? This is bullshit, bro. And it's not just this statue with MLK. It's multiple uh, statues uh, all across the U.S. when we have black people in prominence get some type of recognition. The art always feel half-assed uh, compared to somebody if uh, a white man trying to get that same recognition with a statue. It always feels half-assed with us, bro. So that's the only thing. It's not just with this one. It's just with so many other ones that we have across the country. It just it doesn't Duh. compare, bro, and it doesn't look good. The best monument we have is probably the MLK monument in DC. That's probably mm -hmm. the best one we got. Now that one's yeah. good. I like that one. Yeah, bro. But but like I said, Boston of all places doing this, it just felt like some more racist shit. It was just like, <laughs> like y'all niggas didn't even try for real, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like who thought right, that this yeah, was gonna be it. a good idea? Like who signed off on this? Who greenlit it? But this? but that's the crazy thing, bro. When it when this was probably sketched or painted. It probably looked a lot better than this statue. That's what I'm saying. That the concept and the idea of the artwork isn't that bad, but when you actually turn it into a sculpture, I totally see where it's like, nah, this shit ain't it. If we would have saw the drawing of this or the sketchings of this, we would probably been like, damn, that's that's a cool idea. But it didn't turn out that way. That mm -hmm. that's what I think. I think that art looked better when it was 2D before they turned it 3D. Yeah. They gotta stop that shit. I rather. <laughs> what's the what's the next black monument gonna be? It's gonna be down Rosa Parks in the back of the bus. Like it's gonna be some bull. That's gonna be the next bullshit one we gonna get. It's not even gonna be rows ahead. It's just gonna be a body sitting in a seat. <laughs> gonna be like, what the fuck is this? No, it, like, it's, yeah. gonna, it's gonna be her waist down. No, yeah. no top part at all. It's gonna be the waist down purse on the floor. <laughs> It's gonna be some bullshit, bro. I'm telling you, all of the black statues, like I said, besides the one in uh MLK of in uh Washington, it's some bullshit mostly when it comes to black uh statues, but it's crazy. And uh moving on to movie and show news, I wanted to talk about this movie, bro. I think it's gonna be an early movie of the year contender. It comes out in April, and honestly, we have a lot of movies that come out in April, horror movies. Uh, I mean. Uh, we got Evil Dead Rise. That's the movie I'm talking about right now. I don't know if you guys seen the trailer for it, but I'm a player right now because that shit is ridiculous. That shit look crazy. That shit looks amazing, bro. Coming out in April, Evil Dead Rise is my early movie of the year contender, bro. That's going to be up there for me. And it's something, it's another movie coming out in April. It's going to be a horror movie. I think it's like three of them coming out in April, going to be fire. But me and Edgar talked about this last uh last year when we had our horror movie recap. 
the resurgence of horror movies moving forward and how they feel like the new cinema. And this movie is going to be one of the best horror movies I've ever seen. I feel that right now. I ain't even seen the movie yet, but it's going to be one of the best I've ever seen. Who um who produced this movie? What production company was behind New Line, this movie? New Line Cinema. New Line Cinema. Ooh, mm. this shit might be straight then. Cause you know, yeah. you know who made um, pretty good movies? Um mm. A24. Yeah. A24 made pretty good movies. Yeah. I told you to watch an A24 film with Lamb. You still ain't watched the shit. No, I, I was just saying in general though, because I've seen other A24 movies, but yeah. I, I just watched one recently. Damn, what was that shit called? I'm blanking on it, bro. It was called The Good Time. It was or it was the lobster I had ended up watching in the The Good Time with uh Robert Pattinson. So there's a couple of good movies. Cuz the A24 has been getting uh getting off uh, pretty recently too. But uh yeah, that was just something I wanted to show you guys cuz I think that's going to be one of the movies that you have to look forward to movie hey, this year. That's, that's that's the only movie I'm looking at right now that's like, "Hey, that might give Ant-Man a run for their money for real." For real though. For real though. They damn near showed the whole movie, but that shit still look like it's gonna scare you, bro. Oh, That's for the sure. Crazy part. It's gonna be way more jump scares than that shit. And the and how graphic it was, bro. With like yes. certain motions, they I think she had the needle in her mouth. You seen it actually about to pop out of her yeah. cheek. Like that's the Peeling type of the shit. scalp off. Yeah, like, oh like that God. type of shit, bro. Finna fuck the fuck. It's, I'm not a big horror movie fan, but it's those type of movies like this. That I have to, I have uh, started to appreciate them way more over the years, bro. Especially when they get creative like this. So this shit finna be crazy. All right, and moving on to past the ox, Edgar. What you got for this week? Past the ox, what I got for this week, man? I'm gonna go with Young Dolph Hall of Fame off of that Paper Route Frank album. I'm gonna go with Sugar by Brock Hampton. All right, and moving on to movie and show reviews. What we got coming up? Uh, so we got to do Glass Onion, uh, this current season of Last Chance U, uh, Banshees of, I always mess up this last name, Banshees of Insurin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Snowfall season six comes out in February, so we will be having that review soon. And Kaleidoscope, I got to um, start that this week. So we got some, um, some pretty good lineup. Uh, a pretty good lineup coming up for y'all with movie and show reviews. Ant Man coming out in February, so mm-hmm. definitely gonna do that. That's probably that'll be what the first movie review of this year, I think, for us. Probably, probably. Well, oh, let's well, we do for, glass onion. We had glass onion probably for, before that for twenty twenty three. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, for yeah. 20, for twenty twenty three, twenty three. That'll that'll be the um the first movie review because any yeah. movie that we're talking about now is. Um, it came out around the end of um, yeah. Unless you want to do Megan, we can do Megan. So let us know if y'all want to do Megan because I watched. Was Megan good? Watch it. I because it, uh, it had some good shit in it. I definitely think it had some good shit. In I, it. I, I I'll go see it. Cause I seen everybody talking about it. I'm like, if this nigga, is what, what was the reviews like? I haven't even looked at the reviews for real. I just watched it and got my own opinion. I, I've I've seen a lot of people say it was good and they okay. and they rock with it. But okay. I'm just sitting here thinking, I'm like, if this is some off brand Chucky, I don't know if I'm gonna really rock with this for real. To be honest, that's that's what it is, but way more high advanced type shit. You know mm. what I'm saying? Way more emotion built in than just Chucky just killing somebody, a serial killer coming back in the way more the this type of generation. Exactly, and that's what I yeah. fucked with it. So if you want to watch that, we can review that one as well. That one came out Ooh. early January of 2023. We can uh, knock that one out real quick. All right, but yeah, appreciate you guys for listening this week, and we out.
Peace.